You can tell us a story now if you want, man. I don't have a story. That's yeah. Oh, next time. Next time. Right. We'll next time. Matt climbed Runyon Canyon once in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> it was just as traumatic. I mean, he he had hallucinations. He he pooped in a bucket. It was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, uh, the bucket was totally optional, but I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna take advantage of it. It's here. I gotta go. It's been 15 minutes. Hey, this is Mike. And this is Steve. And we don't know what we're doing. Each week we pick a topic that we don't know much about, and then we try and dig through it. And this week we don't know Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, we don't, but we have a friend who actually climbed it last year. So we thought we'd bring him uh, and his partner in this week to tell us all about it. Mm-hmm. So I looked up a little information about Mount Kilimanjaro, and did you know that it's the highest freestanding mountain in the world? What does that mean? Well, I had to look up what freestanding was. And freestanding means that it's not connected to a series of uh, mountain ranges. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's also the tallest mountain in Africa. The That's continent crazy. of Africa. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So it stands 19,341 feet at its top at the Uhuru Peak. So to put it in perspective, World Trade Center in New York is the tallest U.S. building. So you could put almost 11 of those buildings high, and that's how tall Mount Kilimanjaro is. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And Chad climbed all the way to the top of that. Yep. He is amazing. So let's go to the interview. Yep, sounds good. Well, hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Hi. So we're here today with our friends Chad and Matt. Yeah. Hello. And uh, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about a big feat that Chad accomplished last year. But before we get into that, we kind of want to talk about how do we know you guys? So, Mike, how did we meet these guys? Well, I met Chad originally at uh, through Destructoid, uh-huh. uh, the website, the video game website. All these people came to town for, I think, E for All or some. Oh, my God. Yeah. Something. And uh, yeah, so I met Chad there and uh, there was a, some meetups, some parties. And Chad had parties at his house a few times a year, and I went over to that. And I think I went over one time really early to like help out, and I think I got Pollo Loco, and then brought it back because we were. These hungry. are a lot of details from like ten I know, years I'm kind ago. Of creeped out that he knows like every single right? detail. He probably writes it in his dream diary. I know, <laughs> right? Totally. He's like Chad. You were wearing a yellow shirt. He's like I got. I don't remember what shirt. You I wore. got a avocado burrito from El Pollo Loco. No, I think and I got And then a Chad burrito. looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but through those. Those parties. Uh, that's how I got to know him. Yeah. yeah. And we've been friends ever since. Ever since. Yes. And Matt is your husband, Chad. Mm-hmm. And husband so, now. Husband now. At, At the, the time, time, we were just dating. Right. Just we were hot dating. and heavy. Just dating. No big deal. I had a, you know, I had a long list of, of men, powerful men. Of suitors. <laughs> Gentlemen that, that was one of them. <laughs> we lived together, but we were just seeing how things were going to work out. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. No. It was a little touch and go for a while, man. Yo, yeah, it's touch and go today. Oh, <laughs> snap. We're happier than revealed. ever. We're happier than ever. Oh, my God. Oh, the married life. Good Lord. Um, and then how did you meet them, Steve? Well, through you. 
Okay. Yeah. Do you remember? I was gonna say that's, there's not, not really much more to that. Yeah, story. I mean, you basically told the story. Not much else. Yeah. The first time. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you met them? Ooh. The he first time keep a I dream met, diary. Well, the first time I met Chad, I think, was probably at our friend Kyle and Donna's house. Yeah. For another yeah, that must have been party. there yeah. with the giant slide. Yes. With the, the giant slide. slide. Years ago. Fun. It's like ten that years so ago, maybe. And then I think we really bonded over Winkers. Oh my. Oh my God. If anyone listening doesn't know what winkers are, look it up on YouTube. Immediately. I don't know if they still make them. I don't oh, know. But it's they're they're they jeans. Still they're jeans. I don't even know how to describe these. They're <laughs> jeans that have eyeballs painted on the back pocket. Yeah. So when you're hmm, Rubenesque. Yes. If, if you're a little Rubenesque and you walk around, it squeezes the eyeballs. <laughs> Shut to make them look like they're winking. They wink yes. at you while yeah, you're walking. But then oh, they yeah. don't have just eyeballs. They also have like the action clicker. Yeah, they have the clapboard from movies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I saw this video, I died. Uh, we had to save your beer because you almost lost yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yes, right. I laughed very hard when I Amazing. saw it. Amazing. It's so good. But I that was at the uh, PAX. PAX, 20, yeah, PAX. Uh, 2009. 2009. Yeah, in Seattle. What a year that was. I know. That was so fun was so fun so anyway we have known you guys for a long time mm-hmm. yeah. we're really good friends we usually hang out at disneyland or at la yeah. together mm-hmm. you guys have come up and visit yeah. a few times now but you're here right now you're here right yes, now you're here right now just so exciting yep so we wanted to have you on to talk about this big feat that you accomplished last year chad mm-hmm. which was you climbed mount kilimanjaro i did which is a crazy thing it was crazy because i mean why not- is it crazy well, I mean, to me, it's crazy just because, I mean, climbing a mountain in general is crazy, yeah. let alone if it's in the U.S., but going to yeah. Africa and climbing this big, famous mountain, I think yeah. that's just It was insane. Crazy. No, it was, it, was, it was obviously an amazing experience, but it was really, really hard. It yeah. was seven days, wow. which is crazy. Seven days. No shower, no bathroom. Wow. How many were in your group? We had 19. Wow. But they, we had 73 porters that went with us. Whoa. So 73 people helping you for yeah, 19 73 people. So 73 African and 19. Porters. Yeah. Wow. wow. Because every person needs, I think, like four or something. It's just required by law. Crazy. I, I don't know if it's a law there. Uh-huh. Like, but like, I think it's like, that's just the way that the- For tourism? The, for, yeah. yeah, for the for the hikes that work. <laughs> Crazy. Because yeah. you have, they have to carry all your, I mean, think about it. You need water. Mm-hmm. Which you need for seven days. Seven days. You need seven days worth of food. Mm. You need like, all. you need all that stuff. So- Every person has to have that many people to go with them. So we had 73 people, which is insane. Wow. Um, and they're the most impressive human beings I've ever seen on, my, on the planet. Because like basically when you – they you carry all your stuff in your backpack, but they mm-hmm. carry your big stuff. They carry your tent. They carry your sleeping bag wow. and all wow. the water and all the food and all that. Mm-hmm. So when you leave camp, they stay behind and like pack up all your all your what? tent and stuff. You pack all your like – clothes and all your your, your belongings uh-huh. or whatever but then so then as you're walking up the mountain they run by you full literally run during Whoa. the day with like these huge bags balanced on their head and then you get to the next camp you know 12 hours later uh-huh. and it's all your stuff set up for you that wow. is crazy and they do this like year round that's crazy it's insane wow it's they're so impressive but yeah it was pretty crazy all right so wait let's back up <laughs> how did you even get into this like was this a, was this a dream as a wee child no definitely not um I, I i've always wanted to be like the guy that like does things that like 
I'll never have the opportunity to do like I ran a marathon a few years mm-hmm. ago because I never thought I'd ever do that. And randomly through my job, they were they're doing this thing once a year where they're like, oh, we're going to send people on some adventures sponsored through the job. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you want to, if you, our first, our very first one is to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And I was like, well, that's insane. And I was like, <laughs> I'll never do that, but it sounds really cool. So yeah, we applied and I didn't think I would get it. But then they, you know, months later they wrote me and said I got picked and I like lost my mind. I remember wow. I got the email and I freaked out thinking, oh my God, in like six months from now, I'm actually going to be in Africa climbing this mountain. And I was like, I couldn't believe it was real. That's do crazy. You think, did it feel like, would it be uh, what it feel like for the big brother people to get the like key? Yeah, get their key, get their house like, key. It's my key. Yeah. Oh my god. It was just as you know, just as a noble, <laughs> it, was, it was just such, a, just as a noble act. You yes. know, being on Big Brother, I was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. So he had a fake surprise too. Like, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh like god, the cameras, like there's a whole camera crew randomly in my house, and what could be in this envelope? A house key to Big Brother? No way. I thought it was gonna be at my power bill. <laughs> my power uh, bill. <laughs> So yeah, I, what was the reason that your work wanted to start this kind of adventure thing? Um, well, funny you should ask. They, <laughs> they, um, they, they always want to do socially conscious things and mm-hmm. like charities and stuff, which is wonderful. That's one of the mm-hmm. reasons I love working there. But then th- this in particular one, there is an animal in Africa, in Tanzania actually, called the pangolin. P-A-N-G-O-L-I-N. What it's, the heck is that? I, yes, it's no one knows. I did not know before I started this <laughs> journey. But basically, the pangolin is a, it kind of looks like an anteater. It looks like Sand True if you like Pokemon. Um, <laughs> me and Mike are just talking about that. Uh, it, it's, it's like a mini anteater, like armadillo hybrid thing. And it's not, it, I think it's super cute. It's super cute. But sometimes they look a little scary. But they're really, really <laughs> cute. But they're actually the number one most poached animal in all of the whole entire world. What? Yes. They are used for medicinal purposes, which is ridiculous because it doesn't do anything. So it's like one of these like false medicines. Oh. And they're also used in soups in China. Oh, whoa. Um, which is very depressing because they're so cute. And they're so close to being uh, extinct. They're like highly endangered. So the, my company found out about them and they thought... Oh, it's like perfect because they're from Tanzania as well, which is where the mountain is. So they thought, so while we, not only were we doing this hike, but we also raised money for this Save the Pangolin charity. Oh, cool. Um, so each one of us had to raise a certain amount of money to even be qualified to go nice. on this. Mm-hmm. So we raised like, we, I think we raised something like almost $50,000. It's wow, kind of amazing. Wow. Yeah. So uh, if, I guess, I don't know, maybe I can send you a link and yeah, yeah, yeah. post Absolutely. it. But yeah, like there's a great charity that saves these. And then the cool thing is, is the money, a lot of times these, Charities, you know, like nine, eighty percent or whatever goes to actually saving the animal. The other twenty percent goes out on like admin fees or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like one hundred percent of the of the of the funds for this particular charity go to like, you know, like boots to the, on the ground like work to like actually save these. That's animals. really cool. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So. Yeah. We'll get a link from you and we'll put it in the show notes. And yeah. They're the cutest animal that you've never heard of. Yeah. All right. Are. And sadly, the the reason they're so easily poached is their defense mechanism is to curl up in a ball when they're under attack, so the poachers can just walk up to them and grab them. Yeah, it's so depressing. Oh it's like God. the saddest thing. Yeah, they, they curl up into a little ball when they're being threatened, which makes sense in the wild because like they're they have these hard shells, kind of uh-huh. like armadillos. But then when poachers come, they're like, "Oh, this is easy. Oh, and it's like now you're like compact, so I can put you put you right in my bag. It's like really depressing." Oh my God. I know. Sorry to bring and when you see, I know that was like Debbie Downer. God, no. <laughs> Sorry. So when you see um, the picture, you'll you'll kill you because you'd be like, "How can anyone kill these little cute little animals?" That's crazy. So, but you guys were doing good, raising money. We were doing good. I don't know how many we saved. I like to tell people that we saved every pangolin, yeah, and now right. they are officially not endangered, <laughs> and we've saved them forever with our fifty thousand dollars, which I don't know if that would happen, but I'm telling people that. So, but anyway, yeah, if you can, if you ever want to donate to a charity i would highly recommend doing that because nice. it's it's a great cause 
But anyone listening, though, I honestly, if you want to do like a life-changing experience, I would highly recommend it. And it's not yeah. as expensive as you'd think. It was the airfare, ever, right? It's the airfare mm. more th- than anything. Yeah. That was just really expensive. It's, it's a 25-hour uh, flight. Uh, uh, from L.A. From L.A. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be like five hours short if you came from the East Coast. Oh, wow. There's actually an airport at, pretty much at the base of Kilimanjaro, which is Oh, okay. Nice. Was and it a big airport? It, what? Was it a big airport? or? Uh, they call it an international airport. <laughs> it was literally a shack with one <laughs> runway. And the wow. runway, I don't think, was even paved. Wow. Like it was paved, but it was like not nicely paved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was um one every plane chairs that one runway. So they just like one plane comes in and like they drop people off. And there's no like I don't know what like, the taxi, what's that called? Mm-hmm. They yeah. don't have one of those. So it's like we were in this double decker, like or jetway, yeah. Mm-hmm. We were in a double decker like T- KLM plane, mm-hmm. you know, that flies all around the world. Yeah. And this thing like just pulled up like on this teeny little runway in the middle of the jungles. <laughs> and what did you just roll up some stairs to it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you just get out in the middle of this African like savannah with like a little with a building. Out. That's wild. And then you just like on this huge plane, and then you just like go in there, and then the plane just turns around and flies away. You're like, this is the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> no, that is nuts. Back and the bus ride to even get to the mountain is eight hours. So you got to deal with that. Wow. And, and you're going through like, I mean, we complain when we go to like bumpy roads here. I mean, you're on the side of cliffs, and it's like. <laughs> giant potholes all dirt i mean it is terrifying the bus ride alone we were so scared on the way there to the mountain we were all like we're not even gonna make it to the mountain and they drive so fast because they do this all the time yeah, uh-huh. and to them it's no big deal but all of us were like we're all gonna die so wait so you spent 25 hours flying there yeah and then how long before you actually started the hike yeah we made the smartest decision before we left we talked on facebook we all like met on facebook to like to like, okay. of course, we were like, we're, this is going to be life changing. Let's all get to know yeah. each other. Mm-hmm. And we, and a, a, a handful of us agreed to do a safari. But then luckily, so I originally planned on doing the safari after because I was like, well, let's just get this over with, this mm-hmm. hard part, and then we'll enjoy, relax. They all convinced me to do it before. And I was like, thank God, because this is why it was great. One, <laughs> I was so tired and disgusting and dirty and just yeah. so stressed out and just like drained after the experience. I could not imagine just not wanting to just go directly home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also, I had those days to be adjusted to the time change, which I didn't even consider. Yeah. And then also just to kind of relax a little bit. So we, so it was probably four days before we did okay. the hike after I got there, which helped. Yeah. Because some people flew in literally the night before. That's oh, wow. And Bonkers. then they got there at night, and then the next morning we woke up and they started climbing the mountain. Like wow. that to me is crazy. So then I did it, and it was amazing. It was literally life changing. I know it's cliche, but. It yeah. was so, so hard. I mean, so, the stories could last for three hours on this podcast yeah. about just the crazy experiences I had on that trip. Wow. So this was the first one that they did? The first like, Yeah, the first time thing? ever. They, they're doing one this year, too. They have decided what it is. Because the trip was so hard on us, mm-hmm. they said they'll probably never do it again. Wow. wow. Yeah. So you um, Because like some of the, two of the people in our group, I mean, I don't want to skip ahead of the story, but two of the people in our group didn't make it to the top. Oh. Um, but 17 out of 19 is pretty good. Mm-hmm. They usually, they say the average for Kilimanjaro in general is about 40 to 50% of the people make it to the wow. summit. Wow. So it's pretty low. So 17 out of 19 people is pretty good for our group. Yeah. We thought it was going to be less. But they were just so sick. Altitude sickness basically did everyone yeah. in. Wow. It's impossible to avoid. Yeah. Like I think Martina Navratilova um, just like a couple months before we did it, mm-hmm. she, you know, she's a tennis champ. Like she's super, I mean, she's older, but she's still like super in shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She couldn't make it because wow. she had altitude. So it, it could like bring anyone down. Yeah. Um, so the two people in our group just, they made it to the second to last day and they just were so sick that they had to go oh, back down. My God. And the guides are the ones who call, make the call. Like, 
Oh, if, really? Yeah, like your porters and guides will basically like decide how far you can go. Wow. So, so when that happens and you have to go back down, do they just put you like on a mule and send you down? No, or? no. Well, no mules can even make it up there. I mean, they they, they can't put survive. you in the silence of the lamb cage. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just roll, there's a water slide <laughs> that they just install. That's how I pictured it in my head when you were describing it. Yeah. No, it's like um, yeah, they lower you down. Uh, no, it was kind of. Um, at one point, I think helicopters can only fly to a certain elevation oh. or altitude. <laughs> like you, you pass a helicopter port at one point, and then oh. the the guys told us like that's the last point the helicopters can fly to, and that was like on day five or Whoa. day six. So we still had two days to go. Wow. So they say if you if you get injured any time above that, the helicopter can't come to get you. Oh my god. So there's like you pass these like metal carts that like these really old rickety looking metal carts, and they literally just throw you in that cart and they just like pull you down the hill like a freaking grocery bag wow <laughs> luckily no one happened none of that happened to us but that just that was when the isolation started freaking us out because we realized that we really are but like here you know if something happens we can call 911 and like they'll come get us yeah but, like when you're up there it's like if something bad happens to you there's you just have to hope that the guys can get you down fast mm-hmm. enough because there's like you know you know there's no like safety net yeah you know? yeah so that was kind of freaky that kind of messed with our minds a little bit yeah. but... it was snowy up there it, it wasn't snowing, but it, there was snow. There was oh. actual full-on glaciers at this Whoa, point. Whoa, wow. really? It's 20,000 feet tall, which basically is as high as airplanes fly sometimes. What? Because I remember when I was flying to Africa, you know, you have the TVs in front of your you that kind of track your flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As your altitude and all that, uh, our elevation. So we, I checked, like, oh, I was like, oh, let me just see how high we are right now, because we're way above the clouds. Mm-hmm. And we, were uh-huh. at, we were at 19,000 feet, and I was like, wait. I'm going to be climbing higher than where my plane is right now. That's wow. insane. That freaked me out. Tell them about the altitude training where you have to go up higher to in order to sleep lower. Oh, yeah. This is crazy, too. So, like, every day we would get to our next camp, but we, we would go up another 1,000 to 2,000 feet, depending on the day. Mm-hmm. We'd pass our camp, and then we would hang out there for, like, a little bit, and then we would go back down to our camp because they do that so, like, you your body – kind of freaks out at the higher elevation because it's like 2,000 feet higher. Mm-hmm. So then when you go back down, your body starts adjusting a little bit better and then you can sleep better because wow. you don't want to... If they, they, You're not allowed to sleep, I think, after like 15,000 feet or something like that because then you're just like, won't wake up. That's <laughs> insane. Yeah, because like you have no, you barely have any oxygen to your brain at that altitude, so you're not supposed to sleep. So oh when when you, the last camp, I think, is like at the last limit where how high you can go. And uh-huh. then after that... It might be a little higher than fifty thousand feet. That might just be made. That might be fake news. I might just made that up. But but I know it's around there. Like there's yeah. like it's like around like fifteen seventy thousand feet. Uh-huh. And then and then so yeah. So after you summit, you have to like go all the way back down to your camp. So the summit day. I mean, I'm gonna jump ahead, but this is the best part of the story. But like the summit day is the hardest <laughs> thing I've ever done in my life. Like up to the summit day, it was mm-hmm. actually not the worst thing ever. I mean, it was definitely hard because of the not showering, the not ba- no having a bathroom. It was freezing cold because mm-hmm. you're so high. Mm-hmm. And it was just so, it's like you hike literally like 12, sometimes 16 hours a day. But like, it wasn't necessarily like, it's not like Everest. We have to have like ice picks and like yeah. you have to like mm-hmm. be a full climber. But the summit day was, a hard, it was so hard. And they say, before we even went, all the guides have told us that that's the day that's going to do you in. Wow. And they were like, whatever you do, don't go to sleep. They're like, don't let your body like give out on you. Don't sit down and on a rock and try to lie down. Like your body's going to tell you to do it. Don't do it. And I kind of thought that's crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. So summit day comes. The day before, you get to the camp at like 2 p.m., which is kind of an early day. Mm-hmm. So then you eat dinner early and you go to bed and they wake you up at 11 p.m. and you start hiking at midnight. What? Whoa. Yeah. So they, you, you, they make you eat breakfast at 11 p.m., which is very weird. And keep in mind, at this point, it was like minus 5 or minus 10. Burr. And it was freezing cold. It's pitch dark because there's no lights. Like literally, it's pitch dark. So you get up in the middle of the night and you, they force you to eat breakfast. 
And then you start walking single file down this super, super, super skinny path that's so steep. And I don't know you guys know what switchbacks are, but they're things that go mm-hmm. back and forth. And it's just like a nonstop switchback. And it's so steep and exhausting. And you have no energy because you have no oxygen. And none of us can even speak to each other because we had no energy to even talk. Wow. So think about just the boredom. And they always say it's more of a mental challenge than a physical. Mm-hmm. And it's totally true because even though it was physically taxing and every step was like torture, I just, I was losing my mind because I, I tried to listen to music mm-hmm. in my iPod, but it was all, all my music is like happy music. Or even if it's not happy music, it's just music that doesn't fit the environment. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of make it messes with your mind. So, you, so I turned off the music and no one could talk to each other because we had no energy. We couldn't even get a word out because we were so tired and we had no oxygen. Mm-hmm. So then we were like, so all you have to do is look straight down with your headlamp because it's pitch dark uh-huh. and just look at the person's boots in front of you. So imagine doing that for... Because the sun didn't set, sun didn't rise until like six thirty, so it was like six and a half hours of just like staring down at wow, boots. Wow! Wow! And in the freezing cold weather, and it's just like it, it's like so mentally taxing. Um, and then at one point, I sat down on a rock, and oh, no. I actually fell asleep for like two seconds, Whoa. and I don't even remember doing it. My body just like gave up on me. And then the, my guide at that point, you have a guide per person, because mm-hmm. usually every day you kind of go as a group, but on that last day, it's so hard that they know no one will stay together. So every single person gets their own guide. You get your mm-hmm. own personal guide. And then as you go, like no one waits for anybody else. Cause they're like, if you stop, you're not going to get up and go again. So they're like, just keep going. And then if you leave people behind, it's fine. If you have to stop, I'll stop with you, but everyone else will go ahead. So at, at, by the time you get to the summit, almost everyone is separated. So when I sat down and started falling asleep, the guy, guide grabbed me like a dog and like pointed at my face. He was like, no. Wow. <laughs> and, and I was like, I didn't even realize it. And it just kind of makes you realize like how scary that is because yeah, you know, like I always like, you know, you watch these movies sometimes, you see people like giving up, like when they're lost in the woods, you're like, uh-huh. why would you give up? Like, just keep going. Yeah. You're eventually going to, but like, it kind of makes you realize like your body does just eventually just say like, I'm done. Like, I just, this is, I just want to go to sleep. That's wow. nice. And that freaked me out. Um, but then we just kept going and going and going and we got to the summit and it was so hard to get up there, but it was so amazing to be up at the top and take pictures um, and just say I did it. And then, then you have to go all the way back down. The whole entire day lasted for about, God. 16 to 18 hours of oh hiking that last day because you get up at midnight and we didn't get to the camp until I think like 6, 5 p.m., 6 p.m. that night. Oh my wow. God. It was insane. Crazy. Yeah. So, so Matt, hearing this, uh, did you you know about the like not falling asleep and your body will give out and you and whatnot? Yes, I did. He yeah. told me before he had like a, an email and it was like to do, not to do. And I was like, don't fall asleep or you'll die. I'm like, well, that sounds like good advice. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you, what did you say, Matt? What was your reaction? So Chad comes home and says, Hey, I applied for this thing to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and they picked me. Surprise! Oh, um, you know, I was happy for him. I mean, we're always, uh, you know, uh, supportive of each other. Having a, this is a stupid answer, but like, uh, you know, I'm a, like, I figure, you know, you gotta go out and live your life and have adventure. Just don't, yeah. don't die on me, please. <laughs> well, I re- I do remember that I felt bad because it's like obviously that's something I would want to have done with Matt, mm-hmm. but it's like one of the situations where. It was through my work, so we really couldn't take people. Yeah. And, like, you know, they were paying for part of it or whatever. So it just felt a little awkward that I was doing this whole – because, like, I would love to do it – I mean, I'd love to do it again. Not really. But if I did, <laughs> it was too – I would love to go to Africa again. That was incredible. I did a safari while I was there as well, and that, like, changed my life. Um, but I would, I would do that part. Yeah. So I want to take it back. There, like, but I, but I would like to experience Kilimanjaro again with, like, people closer to me in my life rather than mm-hmm. just, like, random strangers mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. – uh, you know, that, that, was, that I did it with. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, I, I, I did feel bad leaving for that long because I was gone for two weeks and I have no cell phone, like nothing. Yeah. Like even in Africa in general, like when I landed in Africa, I had no cell service for the entire two yeah. weeks I was there. Wow. So, I mean, let's talk about that too because, I mean, you guys are, I mean, you guys have been together a long time at yeah. this point and then you're gone for two weeks. That's weird enough. But yeah. when you're on the mountain, I mean, there's no contact at all. Yeah, they had a 
they had uh, one of the guys had a satellite phone, which sounds so old school, but I guess it was the only <laughs> option. And he did a, he did these blogs. I didn't even know this until I was on the mountain, but he did a blog post update um, once a day that was just at the end of the day. He was just like, there's a little cheesy blog they have that just kind of like gives you update of who's still going and who's wow. where you are on the mountain or whatever. And it's like the uh, hunger Matt games would check that. Yes. Who's left. Exactly. They would shoot a cannon and then like my picture would appear in the sky. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they had, um, uh, they had that blog post. So he got to see that, but then that even kind of backfired because I didn't even know what was happening on the blog, but the very last day, like I mentioned, we all separated. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on the summit day, they only posted one picture of a, of a small group of people that summited because a few of us stuck together, but oh. we were the, me and a few other people were the first people to get to the summit. That's uh-huh. a brag. No, <laughs> humble brag. Humble brag. <laughs> Hashtag humble brag. Um, no, no, no. I, I just, this is important to the story just because we got up there, we went down and then the majority of the people came a little later and they kind of came in smaller pockets of groups. And that's when they took like the group photo, oh. but the group photo also had a bunch of the guides in it. So coincidentally, the picture they posted for summiting had 19 people in it, mm-hmm. but it only had like five actual hikers. And then the other 14 were were porters and guides uh, but it happened to be 19 but of course all the people checking like matt and all of my family who mm-hmm. had no idea who was on our hike they counted 19 but that wasn't in the picture oh no because yeah. this is like way later in the day so all of and in the the caption i think it said like oh 17 of the 19 people summited or something like that and there was some mm-hmm. kind of reference that like almost that everyone didn't make it to the top or uh-huh. something so looking at the picture matt and all my family at that point so thought i just didn't make it mm-hmm. Wow. So I was like, so it wasn't until days later where I could actually text them and say like, no, I did. Like, here's the picture yeah. to prove it. Like, uh, like so I was so annoyed. We didn't think that you died. We just thought that you didn't yeah. make it to the top. So we were oh, okay. d- disappointed for you. So we were, you, we you, were like, oh, he didn't make it. Yeah. Shoot. Wait, so were you were you calling around the family and stuff while he was over yeah, there? Yeah, actually. And, yeah, we would check in with each other and be like, you know, have you looked at the website today? Because you just had like, it was like a, you know, like a Google map image from like, you know, 2000. Like it, was, it hadn't been updated. <laughs> yeah. And it was just it's like, like, a you know, GeoCities, like, <laughs> yeah. MySpace account. Right. right. <laughs> oh, flash lava lamp. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it did like every day, uh, once per day, it would update and be like, oh, they made it to the next uh, camp along the route. So yeah. you knew that everyone had at least made it that far. And you'd get like a one-liner. Like everyone one's alive <laughs> yeah. no it's crazy and i hated not being able to text anybody it was like weird yeah it was kind of cool to be like disconnected for that long especially all the politics stuff like i was mm. like it was kind of nice just to be completely shut off from it yeah but then i did kind of hate not being able to talk to anybody yeah. um until i got back it was just because even at my hotel like i mean the hotel hotel <laughs> we stayed it was in this teeny little village called arusha in in tanzania and like it's such a different world there. I mean, like their hotel, we stayed at like the nicest hotel they had. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like, they barely had running water. You can't even drink the water. So like we can, wow. so every, when I brush my teeth, I use bottled water. Mm-hmm. Um, the shower, like is just basically like a trickle of like water, barely hot. Mm. It's just so different. It's like, we take so much for granted here, you know, mm-hmm. but even at the hotel, like I, they say they had Wi-Fi, but they give you, they gave you your Wi-Fi password and look on the piece of paper that says like a fortune in a fortune cookie yeah. and it was handwritten and like it didn't work for anybody so it's like we and we I had no service there so I, it was so oh. weird to like be in a place where I had like no way of ever contacting anyone on my cell phone mm. like even you were able to crazy. get a text message to me every once in a while yeah like I, there was a couple weird times when I got like these I don't know if like a satellite was passing over Tanzania, <laughs> but like there was like these moments when I just would have like a second when I had like one bar and mm-hmm. I got a couple texts out to him which is nice. Yeah. But when I was on the mountain, it was like impossible. They had a thing where they offered like a, you could pay a lot of money to get a satellite SIM card or something that you put in mm. your phone. 
don't remember what it was called, but like you could actually, so you could possibly text on the mountain. Some people it didn't even work for, but some people in our group actually paid that money. Wow. And it was a lot of money. And I was like, listen, I love Matt. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But that to me is like a lot of money just like... His face right now. You know what now. I mean? Like, I don't know. I just feel like that's a lot of money to spend just to like text somebody. Like, I mean, yeah. par- and part of me was like, it was kind of an amazing moment for me to have this like Zen moment on my mm-hmm. own to be like completely cut off from yeah. everyone just to have this like really like life changing experience. And there was some people there that were just texting all the time until like, their loved ones. I get it. They have families and kids and stuff. So I'm not begrudging them at all. Yeah. I just d- personally just didn't understand why you would just like stress so much about that when you should be like trying to take it in the moment more, mm-hmm. you know, they were so worried about getting into contact with their family constantly that I was mm. like, maybe you should just tell them you're going to contact them in 10 days and just like, you know, let yeah. just do your thing. I don't know, but I guess I see both sides, but yeah, it was crazy. What were some of the like wildlife that you found that you saw oh while God. you're going up there? I swear. I, let's just, let's do like a five part podcast. I have so many good <laughs> stories. Um, well, going up the mountain, you don't see any wildlife because even bugs can't go up there because it's too high. Really? We, the one one of the creepiest parts was on day five. We I have a picture of it. I mean, I'm not going to show you now because it's a podcast and not a visual podcast. We can put it on the show notes. Oh, that's true. I yeah. I'll say, but it's really freaky. So f- up day five, we were walking up and there was, a, there was a cave like on the side of the mountain and there was a frozen wildebeest in the cave. What? With his head uh... po- poked out. It was really sad. And apparently the guide said that he, he's been up there for, at that point, he'd been up there for like, I think like 18 months or something. Mm-hmm. And they said that he just wandered up there out of away from his herd, and like he was like scared and confused, and he kept going up the mountain, which you can't do because like mm-hmm. it's so high. And then he just it got too high for him, and he just froze to death. It's like, and oh, I was like, oh, that's man. really comforting. And that was day five. We saw two days ago, and I was like, what Whoa. are we? What am I doing? With? I'm like, that will be sent to make, and he has like a bunch of blubber, like like fat, <laughs> not blubber. That's a whale. You know what blubber. I mean? Like he has a lot of fat. Like mm-hmm. and he's and they're supposed Crazy. to survive in, in weather like that. <laughs> yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But on the safari, we saw like everything. We saw lions. We saw 34 lions. I counted everyone because I was so excited about seeing a lion. Yeah. We saw tons of elephants, giraffes, like every um, um, uh, like animal you can imagine. We saw. Was there everything for Lion King? Oh, yeah, it was, it, we basically saw the scene from The Lion King. Yeah. A, uh, a, a baboon lifted up a <laughs> lion cub and held him over a cliff. <laughs> You're like, everyone was bowing, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, but that was like so cool because this sounds so dumb, but like uh, I did a multiple day safari and it sounds so dumb to say this because it's so obvious, but you know, you go, you see animals in these animals in zoos all the time. Mm-hmm. Or even if you go to like the San Diego Animal Park where it's technically open mm-hmm. and you're driving through, so it's like a little different. But being there and like being where they actually live is mm-hmm. a totally different experience. And mm-hmm. that sounds so stupid, but it took me a couple of days on the safari to actually realize that these animals were in, in, in like walls yeah. yeah, because it's like the safaris aren't necessarily like on a path. Like they are on a path, but like you follow the animals where they are mm. because it's not like they just like hang out in like an area because there's no walls. It's right. like, they just like mm-hmm. where they live. I know that sounds so stupid, but yeah. it's like, so every day in the safari that your guide just takes you to where the migration goes. So it's like you follow where the animals just happen to be, you know, living at the time. Yeah. Do they... It's actually coordinated. So it's a cast. Yeah. Yes. They're all like <laughs> they're animatronics. <laughs> they're like, the humans will be here today. <laughs> Please avoid but Quadrant that was, 4. That was pretty cool and crazy and just like so amazing. To Did your guides that. narrate it? What, are the guides? Did they, yeah, did they Yeah, kind it? of. I mean, they just like, I mean, they don't speak a lot of English. They basically speak almost all Swahili, but like mm-hmm. they do kind of give you like some fun facts about like, and they're incredible. I mean, the guy that for our safari had done it for, he's been doing it for like 20 years and he's just wow. like, he was like this old, he's like just amazing his stories and he just, you know, he's been living in, in Tanzania his whole life and, and I learned a couple of basic Swahili words like uh, haraka, haraka, which is, is fast, fast. And then mm-hmm. pole, pole is slow, slow because those, they have to tell you like, 
they always tell you pole pole like as you walk up the mountain because they want to make mm-hmm. sure you don't go too fast you don't like mm-hmm. overexert yourself mm-hmm. um and then um oh my god i feel awful i'm gonna forget everything right now um what's just like hello hello is uh asante sana is thank you very much i said that like a thousand times yeah <laughs> um hello was uh oh my god i can't believe i can't think about that right jumbo? now. jumbo yeah. jumbo yeah jumbo yeah <laughs> jumbo yeah we said that all the girls. time yeah, we said that all the time. But the, the one of the funny things I thought was Hakuna Matata is like actually a thing. Oh, really? And like that sounds so stupid. But when I went down there and they all were saying it, I thought they were mocking us because they're like, oh, stupid white people. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we could say Hakuna Matata to them. But like Hakuna Matata is like a legit term that means uh-huh. no worries. That's like that's like an old Swahili term forever. And I guess that's where Lion King got it from. And the other thing that I thought was crazy was Pumbaa is, is Swahili for warthog. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I was like, well, that's like... And Simba is Swahili for lion. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's not like very creative. I was like, Disney. I was like, I was like, I thought these were such cool names. Like when I was growing up, but then I was like, oh, like Disney just like took the Swahili words for the actual animals. I'm like, wow, good job, Disney. Right. <laughs> but I thought that all that stuff was really interesting. Cool. The whole experience was amazing. I want to go back so bad, but yeah. But you know, you wouldn't climb it again, though. It's it's. I would climb it with the right group of people. I wouldn't do it again. Would just kind of like. I mean, there were people I worked with, but I weren't. There weren't people that like I know super well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably wouldn't do it with a group like that because it was so hard on me and like it just mentally it just like it was like insanely hard. But yeah. I would do it again with like Matt or like you guys if you ever want to do it. Oh, like just people that like we can do the podcast from the top of the mountain. Yes, we oh can. My God. No, you we, don't want to take would, all this. We stuff. would not be able to breathe. We'd be like, yes. <laughs> Well, every every pound or basically every ounce counts in your backpack. Yeah. So like you don't want to bring anything extra. Hmm, that's crazy. like I took my Nintendo Switch, and it was a great photo op. But I was like, why did I bring this thing? Because yeah. every single ounce counts. So like you don't want to take anything that you shouldn't be carrying. Yeah. So like I was like every day I was like this thing is so bulky in here. Why did I bring this? <laughs> um, but it was worth it because I got to play. It actually worked too. What, what game did you play I up there? Played the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Oh. And fun fact about that is my iPhone froze up there. <gasps> Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Because it was so high, and my camera, my super uh, fancy camera, froze because we were so high. Um, but my switch worked, so that's good. <laughs> Crazy! Wow. That's, good, uh, that's amazing. That's a fun for, fact. Yeah, it's a good PR for. Uh, they're good. They're that's good awesome. Products they make. Yeah. So, what did that feel like when you come up over the rise? And I mean, you've been climbing for days and days, and then you come up to the summit. It was like, amazing. Was it sunny or was the... It was... They time it again. They're oh, so... Gosh. All the guides are so good at it. That's why you leave when you do. Because they say the best time to get there when it, when the clouds clear, mm-hmm. so you can see uh, have better, like, you can see better, is around, like, between 6 a.m. and 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. So they if you, when you, by leave it at midnight, people summit usually between 7.30 and 10.30, depending on how fast you're going. Mm-hmm. So they time it like that on purpose. And also gives you enough time to go down before it gets dark because okay. you have to go all the way back down to your camp on the other side. Mm. Um but yeah, like when I first went, obviously we, the first six hours, it was just pitch dark. But then when you get near the top, the sun starts rising and we are, and at that, uh, that point, uh, Tanz- uh, Mount Kilimanjaro is, is basically on the border of Tanzania and Kenya. Mm-hmm. So Tanzania is basically in Tanzania. But at that point we had wrapped around the mountains. We were on the Kenya side. Mm-hmm. So this sounds so dramatic, but like the sun came up and the clouds literally parted. Like, and for, I have tons of pictures of this. It's, the pictures don't do it justice, but like the clouds parted because at this point we're above the cloud layer. Yeah. It's like a, like when you're flying on a plane, you know, you look out when you're mm-hmm. at like 35,000 feet and then all you see is white clouds. Mm-hmm. Like that's basically where we were. It was so surreal. Yeah. But then at, in the morning, the clouds parted and then like I saw all of Kenya, like wow. just like so far down there because we were so high mm-hmm. and like the sun was up. It was like so spiritual. I was like, so I was like crying. Yeah. My tears were like freezing. It was so dramatic. <laughs> but I was, I was so emotional because it was so beautiful to see just like yeah. the view. And then, but at that point you're, you, there's three, there's three peaks. 
So what? you get to the first peak and then you got to go up over that and then down a little bit. Then you got to go over the second peak and then the third peak is technically the highest one. So even after the first one, you think you're close because uh-huh. you've hit a peak, but then you look in the distance and you realize you still have like hours and hours and hours oh to go. Oh my God. Oh, wow. So then like, it's like so disheartening because at that point you're so tired and mm-hmm. like, uh, Michael Crichton, you know, the guy who wrote Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Yes. He wrote this book called Travels and he, the, it's a book about his whole experience at medical school and then also all this, all the travels he's taken in his life. Mm-hmm before he died and he has a whole section on Kilimanjaro and I read it after I did Kilimanjaro mm. um, because I didn't want it to freak me out um, <laughs> because all his stories are like totally out of, out of control yes and yeah. he it's so crazy because he he climbed it in the 70s and he had the exact same experience I did he went to the same camps it's just so crazy to me that after all those years like the whole experience is the same but he only made it to the second peak Ooh, wow. and he said in his book he goes you know, anyone that makes a second peak, they say you should make it to the third peak, which is basically the peak. I'm like, yeah. there's not, I mean, it's the summit. Like, there's one <laughs> summit, Michael Crichton. Yeah. Crichton. So, like, he uh, he goes, if you make it to the second peak, you know, they always say you should make it to the summit, but the second peak is good enough. And and I was like, you're just trying to tell yourself that to make you feel better and sell your book. Because <laughs> I'm like, I made it to the summit. So, I would just like to say that I made it farther to the guy who wrote Jurassic Park. Wow. Because, and, and it was weird when I read that because I was like, no, it's really not. Because he, he, he wrote it like it was totally fine to just accept the second peak and go back down. I'm like, no, when you're that close, why would you ever not go? But at that point, I can understand what he's saying because it's so hard to keep going. They always like you always think how dumb that sounds. I put one like foot in front of another. Like how mm-hmm. hard could that be? It's like it's it's like torture every foot. It's like yeah. you just have to keep going and you have to tell yourself eventually if I keep doing this, I'll get there. Yeah. And you're super in shape. I mean, you work out a lot. Mm-hmm. And you... Yeah. That, I think that's why the altitude sickness, that's why the doctors told me before I went, they're like, you could be the most in shape person. And the altitude sickness could bring you down. So what, you... what was training like? Cause you've done marathons. You've done the, the thing where you climb the, the tower yeah. in LA with, up all the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. The stair climb. How was the training for this? The training is, um, was definitely harder. They, they could, because they say you can't really train really outside of just being in shape yeah. because you can't really train for altitude because there's no place even comparable in the United States unless you go to Alaska to like, mm, wow. um, but there really isn't a place in the United States that's like that high. Mm-hmm. The good news about California is there was a couple peaks I did that were like 12,000 feet, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But if you live in like the Midwest, like you have like no options. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you can do is just hope for the best. But so what, what I did is I just went to a bunch of like high peaks mm. here in California just to like chest my body. Mm-hmm. And I got some, I got like some headaches at like the 12,000, 13,000 mark. But my and doctor you were, said were you that's climbing normal. those? I climbed those, yeah. Wow. Um, just for training. And my doctor said that's normal. And then they give you a bunch of pills. Yeah. Um, to like help with the altitude sickness, but hmm. it doesn't get rid of it. And you just have to hope for the best. Like I said, those other two people were super in shape. Yeah. And they just couldn't make it. There it was all it felt terrible and they were dying. Like yeah. they were so sick. Were there things that you had to uh, use like a mask or something to kind of get you to uh, experience the the loss of like it, Oxygen no, I think breath? you have to do that if you do something like Everest. Everest, like, it put in perspective, Everest is 30,000 feet. Whoa. Like, the crazy thing is, like, Everest is, like, I mean, 20,000 feet felt so high to me, and I can't, I couldn't even imagine my body going any higher because I was so tired, and I could barely breathe, and, like, I just was, I, like, the altitude sickness was so bad. I can't imagine even going up another 50 feet, let alone mm. another 10,000 feet. So I think when you do Everest, you have to do, like, the full, like, Full experience. I mean, you, I think you have to take oxygen with you. When you do, I don't think it's a choice. I think you yeah. have to take like oxygen. And base camp of Everest, which is like what most people do, that's mm-hmm. 20,000 feet as well. And that's just base camp. <laughs> wow. And that's what most people do in Everest. Most people just go to base camp and they call it a day because at Everest, the summit itself, is like, that's like, I think only like, not only do only 50% of people make it, 50% of people just survive it. <laughs> like <laughs> in Kilimanjaro, only 50% of people summit, but uh-huh. then they don't die, you know? Like yeah. some people have died in Kilimanjaro, but, you know, but in Everest, it's like, you know, 
I think half the people that try to do the summit actually don't make it a lot back alive. Is that, that is that insane. serious? Yeah, so serious. I don't think I'll ever do that. Yeah. Okay. And that takes like three months. Yeah, it takes like oh. three months to make it yeah. up to the top. Yeah, we, we went so, in August when it's like I think it's like uh, it's their winter. I think in August, but it's, but they're right by the equator, so I think it's like kind of always the same weather. Mm-hmm. But they say that it's better to go in August because it's less chance of snow, less chance of rain, and mm-hmm. we were lucky. We only had one day of rain, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that bad. Um, was it because, cold rain or was it? it because at that point yeah because we were really high it was Oof. freezing it was miserable that was the worst day it rained all day and it was like it was like it was like needles on our face like oh. all day long oh. um, and we could, just couldn't get warm or dry it was awful and then, and then when you get there you can't take a cash out you gotta go right into your tent and you're like How? you can't you can't dry off you don't have a towel oh god oh, so you're just that whole experience <laughs> lord have mercy it's all coming back to me <laughs> It was crazy, but yeah, but there's some people that go in like the middle of the winter mm-hmm. when it's like, oh god, cold, even colder and rainy and like snow and like mm-hmm. sometimes you some god. people go up there when there's like like snow up to your knees when you're hiking. I'm like, I can't imagine. That's a million times worse. No way. I'm telling you, we were losing our minds at one point, and this is not an exaggeration. I told Matt this. This will not be surprising to him. <laughs> when I was on that summit day, I was so tired and mentally broken. And just trying cold and just trying to push through to get to the top. I was at the edge of a cliff because that's because you walk basically on the edge of cliffs at that point. Mm-hmm. And I literally at one point looked over and I was like, all I have to do is lean over that cliff and it'll all be over. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I mean, I went dark. That's like I actually dark. considered and I'm like, I don't have to do any more walking if I just lean over. <laughs> wow. And people were like that. People were breaking down. There was this guy who was a really built, like, like, like a really built, like athletic guy mm-hmm. that was like the husband of one of the executives. Uh, if he's listening, I want to give you props. You're amazing. I'm not going to say anything negative, but even he was like absolutely breaking down mentally. He was like almost crying. Like he was like, he almost started like speaking in gibberish because he had such a lack of oxygen. Mm -hmm. And like, again, this is why when you sit down with a beer at another point, I don't want to bore everyone with these stories, but imagine just 19 people in pitch dark in the middle of Africa on the top of a mountain, just all losing their shit at one time. That's what it was like on different levels. Some people were super losing it. Mm -hmm. Some people were kind of pulling together. Some people were just super quiet because they were just trying to like not say anything. Mm -hmm. And it was the most surreal, like, effed up experience was it any comforting like was anybody able no to because no, that's the thing we were afterwards mm-hmm. but like no one you couldn't because like you were so out of it like i couldn't even think straight so like if somebody if i like this and this makes me feel like a horrible person but this is the way it was i would walk <laughs> by because like they had two groups they had the haraka haraka group and the pole pole group which is mm-hmm. a slow group and then like during the seven days the guys kind of realize who's faster and who's slower uh-huh. so they uh-huh. let the slower group go they started actually way before us at night mm-hmm. we got to sleep for an extra hour because they were like, if they wanted to try to time it so we could kind of be around the summit at the same time, that Got didn't it. work out at all. But that's so the so we ended up passing a bunch of people during our summit, oh. and I would pass people in my group who I had bonded with for seven days that were in full on breakdown mode. One girl was like crying so hysterically and shaking like I've never seen a human being shake in her life at this edge of this like cliff rock, pitch dark, and I had my headlamp on. I walked by her, and the guide is like rubbing her back, and I just didn't stop even stop. Because my guy was like, you can't stop. He's like, you can't stop. You can never lose your momentum. You can't get distracted. And I was like, am I a horrible person? This poor girl's like breaking down. She eventually made it. But that just shows you everyone was like losing their minds. She just couldn't do it. Like she just felt like her body couldn't go any farther. And the guy was just like, that's what the guides are there for, to push you, push you, push you. Mm -hmm. Because they know if you can't, physically do it like those other two people mm-hmm. they will bring you down they know they've done this so long mm-hmm. but so they know that sometimes your mind is playing tricks on you so they're like your mind is telling you, you can't do it but i know you physically can because i can see it yeah. so you have to listen to us so they almost physically will drag you up the mountain at that point because they're like you're not if you go down you're gonna be so mad that you went down yeah 
That's so, so crazy. I feel like <laughs> I never would have thought about the psychological aspects. Yeah. Of uh, none of us did. I think that's why we we're also shell shocked because like yeah. we all were prepared for the physical, but none of but you can't really prepare for the mental because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're gonna be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It was like the craziest experience. Yeah. You bought. We bonded with those people more than ever. Like I know. I've known people like Matt even for 14 years. I I did things and talked about things for those people that I don't think I've ever done in front of Matt. Oh, wow. I mean, because there's no secrets. It's like you have you have you literally have a bucket. To go to the bathroom in. Yeah. You all share for seven days. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's like, there's no privacy. Like, there's no, you can't even expect to, like, go somewhere and, like, have a private moment. Like, everything mm-hmm. is exposed. Like, it is so crazy, the experience you have with these people. And you're all just, like, it's just such a weird, 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 weird bonding experience. Yeah. All the dark secrets revealed. It is the ultimate dark secrets revealed. <laughs> At the, uh, the bucket level is where I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> On, and that, that sounds dumb. And, like, it sounds so, like, it makes me sound vain. But, like... That was one of the hardest parts. And everyone agreed with me on the trip. All 19 of us were like, the the hike itself, yes, is very, very physically taxing. But like just the stuff like not being able to have a place to go to the bathroom, having to be freezing cold, not be able to brush your teeth Mm. for seven days, not taking a shower. Like that's like really hard. And I know that sounds dumb, but like when you're used to it every day and you don't have it, it makes it really, really hard to get by. You take it for granted. You do take it for granted. Yeah. And I never thought that'd be the hardest part, but it was so hard to go through all that stuff. Did you have any hallucinations while you were up there? Oh, absolutely. All of us did. Wow. Mine weren't as bad as other people's. Like, mm-hmm. mine were just, like, more, like, I would just see kind of, like, colors, or I would get really bad headaches, or I would kind of see, like, wave, like, kind of if you were, like, really drunk, mm-hmm. that kind of feeling, um, which is normal altitude sickness. But some people were so affected by it that they were absolutely seeing things. Wow. It was crazy. And people the? were losing their minds. I'm telling you, people were t- saying things that made no sense. This one guy started wandering the wrong direction, like a zombie, and I was like, what the is going on <laughs> this is so scary it's so crazy yeah it was crazy yeah. i love matt's continual faces he's like wait <laughs> wait what what yeah, it was crazy no he's told me most of this stuff before yeah yeah. yeah when i came back i got he got an earful all right so you're there you do a safari you're so you've got a couple days of downtime you're doing stuff yeah. then you do this insane hike it's life-changing yeah and you come down the mountain and you've done this big feat. What's it like coming off? Is it is it like a marathon where there's like a bunch of people greeting you, or is no. it just like well, kind of, or is it just like the trail ends and you're yeah, done? Yeah, the trail ends. There's a sign that says congratulations. I was like, yeah, you better believe it. Congratulations. <laughs> like, and then they and then the one that's thing that's cool is like the park rangers that work in the Kilimanjaro Park, which is like the park that technically yeah. Kilimanjaro is in. Mm-hmm. Um, they hand you a beer like immediately. That wow, was kind of cool. Nice. And it's a Kilimanjaro beer, which they brew in Africa, and it's delicious. So if you ever can find that in a in a local liquor store, I would. Have Highly recommend it. Um, and then they give you a beer and you just sit there and just relax for like as long as you want. So even after the mountain, you get the beer and you get to relax, but then you know you have another eight hours of just the bumpiest, craziest ride yeah. to get back to the hotel or the village. It's not even a hotel anymore. I would just like to point out Chad's over here, like, we thought we were about to die. He's laughing, and Matt's across the table, like, hmm. <laughs> I know. I don't think Matt knew this part. Yeah, and the whole thing was just insane. I'm telling you, the, the executives that set all this up who went on the trip with us from the mm-hmm. company. When we got back after the bus ride, we were all back at the hotel and all shell shocked and just like, what the fuck did we just do? Oh my God. We all looked at each other and that's when they were like, we're never doing this again. <laughs> ever. They're going, they're go, we're going to do more adventures, but we will never, ever let our employees do this ever. Yeah. Cause like they never in a million years expected to be as hard as it was. Wow. They, they so is this, be... did this experience, has it spurred you to want to do more adventurous? Oh yeah, kind of absolutely. Stuff? I'm like, I want to travel more. I want to yeah. do like, I'm like so inspired and like, again, it sounds so cliche, but I would like, it totally changed my life like mm-hmm. i have a whole new outlook on like just like the world we live in like the country we live in like mm-hmm. the like poverty like i mm-hmm. think i mean like i never had seen poverty until i've seen these like villages we were in, in africa and it's mm-hmm. like it just puts everything in perspective like mm-hmm. it puts it at, like just 
like why we're here like you know <laughs> just because like seeing like just being up there and like i mean how many people have done that you know mm-hmm. and just being that high in the middle of africa which is like you know where they say like humans were born mm-hmm. like it just was so kind of cool to be like i'm just like part of like it sounds again so cheesy but i was like part of the land like yeah, i just felt yeah. part of like one with nature mm-hmm. it was so wonderful um but then, of course, I say that. But then a month later, I came back and I was like yelling at people in traffic again. I was like, get out of my way. <laughs> like I told myself I was going to be so zen after that. I'm like, I'm never going to yell at anyone about traffic because like, like life's so beautiful. And then like one month later, I was like, I was like fuck all these people. <laughs> it like didn't really work. But I think when I stepped back, it was definitely like an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, we need the explicit content warning at the beginning of this podcast. Now. We do. Yeah, oh, Blue, we Blue Apron just dropped out. We always <laughs> they, just, they, they just dropped out of their sponsorship. <laughs> Matt, um, has it made you want to do anything adventurous now that you've seen him go through this? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? I thought y'all were going to sign up for the amazing race. Oh, we do do that. I would consider that. I would yeah. uh, I would love to travel and I'd love to do the safari part, but the yeah. Everest part is a no. Or the climbing the mountain part. Yeah. Oh, sorry, not Everest. Yeah. Uh, Any mountain. mountain. Yeah. yeah. What was the most surprising thing that you heard, Matt, about the trip? Oh, the thing that freaked me out the most was when he told me about uh, sitting down at the rock and like starting to like fall asleep. Because like mm-hmm. I knew that from the, the get go that that was you know I know, a no. I know. Yeah. Uh, so that would make me nervous. But I was glad that there was a guide there to yell at him. So did yeah. you ever try to talk him out of going? Like no. were you really scared? No, about it? he was nice about that. No, no. Uh, you know, can't hold Chad back. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I don't think he. I don't. I, if the roles are reversed, I would have done it. I would have done it either. I mean, yeah. like. That would have been such a bummer if he was like. I mean, I understand why he wouldn't want me to go because number one, I, we're not going together, and also it is dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like I would have been so bummed if I didn't get to go. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool opportunity, you know. Why yeah. would I ever say no? Yeah. But yeah, it was Man, that's crazy. wild. It was wild. Literally wild. Yeah. <laughs> I was totally one with Africa. <laughs> well, this has been I awesome. for like a long ass time. No, this oh, is fun. awesome. This yeah. is your story. That's why we had I know. you on. I, I hope think it's, it's really incredible. No, I think it's super interesting. They'll edit it down to about 15 minutes, so don't worry. They're going to edit just all those scandals about talking about the, t- the, the bucket, like the talking, bucket, about, talking yes. about, about my fellow hikers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we did have uh, one more story we wanted to bring in before we wrapped up, which oh. is <laughs> people ask us what the hell is our theme song about? <laughs> Because there is a, you you do the vocals for our theme song. Yeah. Which is. You do the Mike just, and Steve you know. part. Mike and Steve part and to the future. And so people, <laughs> we've never really revealed why it says that. Because this show has nothing to do with time travel. No. <laughs> so what was that story? How did this come about? It was at Disneyland. We were at Disneyland with our friend Chrissy. Yep. And was Dave you, there? I Dave think our friend Dave there. was there as well. Yeah. You guys love Dr. Who, uh-huh. and so does Chrissy. Yes. I know nothing about Dr. Who. <laughs> and so, this is not an exaggeration. I legit thought <laughs> that Dr. Who's catchphrase with his <laughs> traveling companion. I do know she's called the companion. Companion, yes. I thought that Dr. Who and his companion's catchphrase was, to the future. And they would point <laughs> in the air at the same time and yell, to the future, in their British accents. And I'm not joking. I 100% thought that was that what they said. Mm-hmm. So I brought up at Disneyland with like a straight face because I thought that, oh, like I can actually join the conversation. And then mm-hmm. you guys looked at me like I was a crazy person. Nice. And that became a thing. Nice. Yeah. I love so it. Because the show has action. nothing to do. But they do tra- tra- time travel, right? They do time they travel, but they, yes. but they don't say to the future. Yeah. <laughs> listen i can't do any accent so all my accents sound the same well i love it <laughs> but that's where it came that's nice. where it's from mm-hmm. and then how did why did you start doing the mike and steve <laughs> because I mean, that's years ago that's yeah like years because ago. you guys are the best people ever mike Aww. and steve 
and we love you. And we love that as you guys people listening obviously know because you listen, they have a great rapport with each other. <laughs> we and are great back and forth. And they're always like it's so cute to be around them and they're so funny that every time they would do every time one of them would say something sassy to each other, I would just look at them and go, Mike and Steve <laughs> Because it just felt like the perfect like if they had it their own TV show, like it would be like the last line right before you cut to like the friends opening credits, you know, nice. like the sassy one liner. And I always felt like it was so perfect and it just kind of became a thing. Love it. So at Disneyland, whenever you guys would like bicker, like in a cute way, in a fun, like friendly yeah. way. Like I would always just want to break out in Mike and Steve because it nice. just felt perfect. That's where it came from. Got it. Yeah. Well I love it. And thanks for doing that. Yes, thanks. Every you guys day. have it now forever. We do we forever. Do. do you do a cold open at the beginning of your podcast usually and then break into Mike and Steve? Mm-hmm. That's uh-huh. how you should do it. Oh, do. Oh, does that mean that somebody doesn't listen to the podcast, oh. Matt? Oh. You should know all about this. Snap. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I'll cut that in I'll cut yeah, that in cut later. That in there. Yes, yeah. you need to cut that in there. Later. Oh, my God. Cool. Well, thanks for being on, you guys. Yeah, oh God, thank you. So much fun. fun. Thank you guys for listening to my long story. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's, it's funny. awesome because I feel like I've, we've heard bits and pieces yeah, of it exactly. here and there, but not the whole thing. So. We've seen pictures, but we didn't really actually get to like talk yeah. to you about the experience. Yeah. Next time, I'll it tell was... you the story. Yes. Ooh. Listen, I know I feel terrible already, and I'm going to feel more guilty about how long I talk. But you if you're going to ask me, listen, if you're going to ask me questions about damn Kilimanjaro, you're going to hear a long ass story because it was crazy. That's right. <laughs> You can tell us a story now if you want, Matt. I don't have a story. That's, yeah. Oh. Next time. Next time. Right. We'll have to build up. Matt climbed it. Runyon Canyon once in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> it was just as traumatic. That's our cold I mean, he, he had hallucinations. <laughs> he, he pooped in a bucket. It was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. You had to go up that step area instead I know. of the other oh, yeah, way. Yeah, he went oh, the hard way. That was I, the hard. I mean, way. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "What, Matt? I he, he he couldn't text me. I was afraid he wasn't going to come home." The bucket was totally optional, but I was like, "You know what? I'm just going to take advantage of it. It's here. I got to go. It's been 15 minutes." Uh, awesome, guys. Well, thanks, guys. Sure. That's yeah, fun. Thanks for having us. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for visiting. Often. Yeah, thanks for visiting. We oh, had yeah, a great we, time with you come, Next time we come up, we want to think we want to do some more fun activities. Good. Cool. Maybe we can do That's a mini... That's weird. We, <laughs> maybe we can do a mini adventure next year. Ooh. Or this summer. Next year. Yeah. What are we going to climb or explore? Mountain winery. <laughs> yes. That's we need to climb a mountain that has wine at the top. There is one there in Saratoga. Are you serious? In Saratoga. Mountain winery. It's called Mount Winery? Mountain winery. That's awesome. We'll go. We definitely need to go to that. We can and just we'll... drive up. That sounds perfect. I'm a pro. You can still poop in a bucket. If you want. <laughs> That's always an That's option. optional. As if you could stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that story crazy? Yeah. I mean, all that stuff that he was talking about, about the losing your mind part thing. I know. I had never heard that from him before. Mm-mm. But it was really cool that he like explained his story and we got to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Would you do it? Hell no. <laughs> At least not in my current state of uh, fitness. Of fitness, yeah, for yeah. sure. If so, I got really fit one day, maybe yes. Okay. Oh, okay. So then we could take a trip. Maybe one day. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Sounds good. Music for the show is by Dimitri Banoff and Adi Goldstein. And our intro vocal, as you heard, is by the great Chad Conselmo. Thanks, Chad. And Matt. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening, liking, subscribing. Reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments. And uh, until next week. 
Have a good one. Bye. Bye.